Welcome to Harvest Beyond Sunday, a podcast that seeks to equip and inform the members of Harvest Church. Hello, Harvest. My name is Jamie Trussell. I've appeared to serving as a pastor and elder here at Harvest Church. And one way that we are going to try to stay connected to you and ministering to you at large during this time marked by COVID-19 is going to be through new weekly content via this podcast Beyond Sunday. Now, I hope as we go along that you'll find these podcasts at times encouraging, challenging, sometimes informative, sometimes lighthearted to bring a little levity to the situation, but always meaningful. And one new component I want to introduce you to is your ability to do two things. One, to submit questions, questions that may have been arising from your devotional times. Maybe you've had some theological questions that have been on your mind for a while, questions about discipleship, questions about family worship, marriage, whatever it may be, we would love to try and be a resource to help you navigate those things real time. And I assure you, if you have a question, somebody else in our, our church body has the same exact question. Multiple people would. So that could be a, a blessing uh, to all. But not only questions, but also stories. And we'd love to hear how you're doing. We'd love to know how life in quarantine is going. These things can be things you're learning as you walk with the Lord in real time. Or they can be fun and, and easygoing, and we'd love to hear some hilarious things that even some of your kids are doing as, as we're all locked up in quarantine, which sometimes can feel like running a correctional facility. And so we'd love to hear all of that. The way that you're going to do that, now, now just so you know, just because something's submitted, we obviously can't get to all of it, so don't get offended or get your feelings hurt, but we would love to hear from you. And the way to do that is podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, one word, podcast at harvestmemphis.org. If you would email your questions or stories to that email address, and we would be blessed to read them, think over them, and, and pick some that we think would be especially helpful or encouraging to our body uh, at large. Now, we do this uh, as a way to try to make the most of this nuanced uh, time via the technology available to us as we all await the day until we can meet again face-to-face. Now, this week, I'm especially excited about our episode as I'll be joined later by one of our elders, Jack Hurdle. But before we get there, I thought it'd be helpful to spend a few moments together in Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. I picked that passage because we are living in a time of continual government briefings, advisories, and orders, both on the local and federal levels. That being the case, it's reasonable to ask, what should a Christian's relationship to the governing authorities look like? After all, Aren't we told not to be conformed to the ways of this world? Isn't our true and real authority God, not man? Does our existence in a heavenly kingdom, which, by the way, is true and and, and real and palpable, even now, though it's not in its fullest form, but the fact that we exist and as part of that heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God, does that not render us exempt from submission to an earthly kingdom? Well, a Christian's relationship to governing authorities is important enough to be spoken to in both the Old and New Testament, and it's directly spoken to in the New Testament by Jesus, Peter, and Paul. Now, our passage today in Paul's letter to the Romans is one of the more extensive treatments of the topic, and the section covering Romans 13, 1-7 would be beneficial for us all to look at, but for today's purposes, we're just going to look at the first two verses, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. That's a joke. Sit back down. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. We will make a few qualifying statements here at the beginning. 
that we need to take the context of this passage and applying it to be uh, just normal mode of operation. Okay, this is assuming that we're not living in a day and time when our government is asking us to do things that are directly sinful or disobedient to Christ and the scriptures. When those types of situations happen, well then of course our allegiance is ultimately to Christ. Uh, two examples of that, one found in the Old Testament, one found in the New Testament, are when uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told to bow their knee at the playing of the music. They did not. That was disobedient, civil disobedience to a government order that they knew were they to follow that order, they would be in direct conflict with the commands of God. They chose to follow Christ, follow the, God's commands in that moment. That was the right course of action. In the New Testament, we see in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are told by the local Jewish authorities that they were going to let them go, but they did so under the condition of they could no longer preach or teach in the name of Jesus. They had to stop sharing the gospel. Peter and John's response to that uh, is, to, to paraphrase, uh, is, hey, we are going to leave it up to you whether or not we should follow man or God, but we cannot stop teaching and speaking uh, about Christ. And that was their uh, conclusion was, we're going to disobey you. We're going to keep speaking in the name of Jesus and teaching about the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's what Jesus has commanded us to do. And if a governing authority tries to tell you to stop teaching or preaching in the name of Christ, uh, our ultimate authority trumps that. Now that being said, those nuances aside, we'll add one more, and that is P Paul's claim in this passage is not that government is infallible. It's not that it's uh, free of error. Certainly government can uh, have injustice deep within. It can have corruption. It can have biases and prejudices. All those things are true. But we've got to take the bigger picture of the biblical teaching here, and that is in, in normal situations, the exhortation from Paul to us is to be subject to governing authorities. Another way of thinking about that is that Christians are supposed to be excellent citizens, model citizens, to such a degree that the governing authorities would want people to be converted to Christianity because of uh, the type of model of citizenship that's embodied there. And our kingdom residence uh, uh, with Christ in the kingdom of God should be reflected in the kingdom of man of being great uh, members of our society. And Paul would say the way you do that is being subject to your governing authorities. And that does not come with qualification of if you like the governing authorities, if you agree with the governing authorities, uh, if you voted for the governing authorities. None of those things are qualified. Paul most likely is right in the reign of Nero. He was uh, not friendly to Christianity, quite hostile. And yet Paul says, we obey, we follow, we're subject to the governing authorities over us. Now, why? Because they are instituted by the sovereign hand of God. And this can be a hard one to square with. God is over human history. He appoints the rise and fall of kingdoms. He appoints the rise and fall of leaders. And we may not always see his purpose in a positioning a certain leader in their certain position. But that does not make his control of that situation biblically untrue just because we can't understand it. And so we have to trust that God is in sovereign control of who, who is leading, 
where in our government system, local and federal, we have an opportunity to vote and have some say-so in that. Even if your horse loses the race, we have to recognize uh, whether that's this current president or a previous one or a one previous to that, it doesn't matter, that we trust that God's sovereign hand is in control. And this idea of subjection to government, first of all, it's one of seven or so lines of submission uh, given to us in the New Testament. Uh, it is the idea of, of placing ourselves uh, underneath a divine mandate. It's a willing act of obedience rendered towards a divine institution. Three divine institutions that are pretty clear, uh, biblically considered, are the family, the church, and government. Not man-made, but, but divinely mandated. That we are subject to those. In that we see the Bible tell us, you know, wives submitted to husbands, children to parents, church members to elders, Christians to one another, all Christians to Christ, employees to employers. And here we see citizens to government. And he tells in verse 2, to rebel against this is actually to rebel against the system that God has put into place. So where, where does this play out for us right now is, is, and I know it's hard, it's not anything that's ideal or anything that we've wanted to see happen, but we're being asked from the CDC all the way down to observe some things, to social distance, to limit social interaction, to live in quarantine as much as possible. Uh, it's not fun. Uh, it's not desirable, as we've already said, and yet it's what we're being asked to do. One of the ways we reflect Romans chapter 2 right now is by being great citizens, being the best examples of what we're being called to do, because thus far our government has not called us to do anything that is directly sinful or that's not in accordance with the Scriptures. Do we miss gathering together on Sundays? Certainly so. Uh, if you're in a D.C., do you miss gathering face-to-face -face with the people that you're in a deeper community with? Of course you do. Do my wife and I miss the weekly rhythm we had of having uh, some of our great friends come over and have dinner and, and play dominoes on the weekend? Yeah, we do. We really miss that. And yet, that is one way in which we have to, to lay ourselves down for the sake of others during this time. And, and we're in this together. Okay, not just as a church, but with our community. And there's a great opportunity here that when the social distancing is lifted, uh, when life begins to continue uh, somewhat like it was, for the church to stand out and for Christians to stand out as a shining light of, of citizenship during this time, of taking it seriously. You know, no decisions at harvest are made in a silo. Our elders are meeting and talking, and, 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 and in that we're trying to do a couple things. One, we want to be faithful to the Lord. So always the first question is, what does Jesus tell us to do? What do the Scriptures tell us to do? If, if we were ever asked to violate the Scriptures, then we would, we would follow what the Bible tells us to do. I feel quite confident in that and the plurality of leadership that we would push each other in that direction thus far we feel like the measures we're taking are both in accordance with scripture and in accordance with the governing authorities and it's the best way to love neighbor and the best way to follow what paul's telling us to do in romans chapter 13 1 and 2 and so that's where we are that's the line that we will keep walking uh, as we hope to again be a shining light to our community
uh, that we love them, uh, that we take our government seriously, even if maybe you have own personal convictions that disagree with some of the things that are being said. And as you know, this is an ever-changing and fluid situation. So it's always under analysis, always under observation, always trying to square it with the scriptures. And what we will try to keep doing from a leadership standpoint is keep good communication uh, with you. I hope you're enjoying the, the daily devotionals that our elders have written. Uh, so thankful to be at a church that has men that are rooted in God's word and desires to share that and encourage that to all of our church members. We're going to keep uh, trying to do meaningful podcasts. I encourage you to keep live streaming uh, the, the services and sermons on Sunday. It's been a sweet time of family worship here at the Trussell House. Uh, it's also been a consistent time of church discipline as I usually remove all four children before the service actually ends. And I send them up to their quote-unquote classroom, which is basically, do you mind just leaving so my wife and I can hear the rest of the sermon? And I hope that, again, today's podcast has been a blessing to you. I'm coming to you live from my shed on the Trussell Estate, also known as the Jungle here to Team Trussell. And again, if you have any questions, any ways we can minister to you, anything that we might could help bring biblical clarity to uh, for you on, or just any stories that you'd want to share, again, podcast at harvestmemphis.org would be the best way to do that. I want to close this podcast as we move from this time of uh, devotional thoughts from Romans 13, 1 through 2, is to interview one of our elders, Jack Hurdle, and I've got Jack on the line. Uh, Jack, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Jamie. I'm glad to do it. So we are living life in quarantine right now. I know we were just talking before we started the interview that you and uh, your lovely wife are down on the farm, I guess, social, social distancing yourself from the animals. Uh, well, we don't have to social distance from the animals. That's a good thing. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for being here. You know, I think that uh, one of the things that you could really help us process and really bless our church with and by the way uh a lot of our church may not know jack heads up our safety team and uh, uh the security team at the church and keeping us uh making sure we're, we're safe and secure from all types of things from inclement weather uh, uh to any type of potential thing that might threaten our ability to gather so jack i do want to say thank you on behalf of our church uh, to you and your team and i do want to focus on your background uh with fema a little bit this morning so could you give our church kind of a little bit of a sense of, of your former life and your vocational work and uh, uh, how you how you used to serve vocationally okay be glad to I, I know we always talk about FEMA but Jamie I spent uh, almost 39 years with the US Army Corps of Engineers I, I graduated in civil engineering went uh, to work for them in 1975 and 1983, after a stint in water resource planning at that point, uh, I, I thought it'd be good to go into uh, emergency management for a couple of years and and uh, thought it would be interesting. And uh, I went into it in 1983 and got out of it in uh, 2013. So uh, it, it ended up being longer than just a couple of years. Uh, it was something I was just drawn to. And uh, uh, what would you say kind of drew you to that work? Well, I, th I think in the federal government, a lot of times we don't see immediate results and what we do. Uh, a lot of projects are, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, but in emergency management, you actually got to see your immediate 
uh, help uh, being, I mean, I should say it would be recognized right away. You could see things actually unfold before yourself and you could see the people in the faces of the people. And I, I, I just can sit here today and I think about all the people that, that I met face to face with that were going through some very difficult times. And, and that, that's, I think overall, that's what drew me to emergency management. I saw the results of what I was doing. I know we've talked a little bit in the past. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, certainly, I guess, one of the biggest challenges you had to tackle, if not the biggest, uh, would have been responding to Hurricane Katrina, would it not? Uh, yes, I think that, along with the World Trade Center, was, was probably the top of it. Uh, Hurricane Katrina did take you know a couple of years out of, out of, of my life and uh, devoted to that. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would say that was probably the top of it. So as you're, you know, you're, you're, you're learning, you're training, you're, you're leading those type of efforts. Uh, we're all familiar with the World Trade Center, with Hurricane Katrina. Now we're familiar with coronavirus. Uh, but in our lifetime, this kind of idea of a global pandemic seemingly was a little bit more theoretical. I mean, I know we've had SARS, I know we've had Ebola, but those were seemingly more contained regionally. Uh, uh, along the way maybe we had the swine flu which may spread a little bit more ex extensively but nothing to the degree as far as i know and you may correct me uh like this covid 19 uh, that we're seeing right now yeah that's correct jamie i think for us historically you'd have to go all the way back to spanish flu you know a hundred years ago to see anything similar to this and what what affected people literally worldwide so is this something that before it even hit that, that you would go through training for, that y'all are planning or, or, or strategizing as far as response to a pandemic like this at, at the federal level? You know, Jamie, and I know you and I have talked a little bit about this. I remember back in the 90s, we were uh, engaged in several meetings that dealt with pandemic. And, and I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, our planning was kind of overtaken by 9/11, where we switched from natural disaster, uh, natural disasters to uh, to man-made. So I'm not people completely stop uh, uh, planning for that, but it did take our focus in a in a new direction for a number of years. And and as as uh, you know, even as the government and look, this is nothing we say today is a comment on how anything's being handled good or bad or who should have done what or when or anything like that. I think everybody personally, I think everybody's doing the, probably the best they can with the information that they have in real time. And, and, and I mean, it goes to both sides of the aisle. This certainly isn't a political show or commentary on that, but what goes into this daily decision-making of trying to, to curb a pandemic? What are the types of things that you have to think through and even speak to some of these measures that they've asked us to do, shelter in place, social distancing. Uh, what goes into all of that? What's, what's the attempt right there? Well, you know, Jamie, I, I think in a day-in, day-out basis, of course, in any disaster, we had daily briefings. And, and there's nothing different from the president on down. You know, one of the things we have to remember, the CDC controls a lot of this. And, and, and for most disasters, CDC participated, but they weren't. In the lead, so this is unique in that in that area. Uh, but you know, day in and day out, you're looking at numbers and exponential growth is one of the things you look at here. 
see if, uh, you know, if you look at a curve, you know, we're on the steep upswing right now. What we're trying to get to and what everybody's trying to get to is a level out of that particular curve and get us where we get no new cases and then we're seeing less and less uh, fatalities from it. So uh, there's a lot of things that go into it. And yes, I believe that everyone's taken the, uh, you know, all these things they've asked us to do are appropriate. Uh, I, I think the thing we have to remember, Jamie, because of the society we live in and simply because, you know, states control their own, in a lot of ways, their own destiny, uh, the federal government is, is issuing things that are suggestions or advice to the states, and the states are implementing things on, in their own time frame. Uh, you know, I live in the state of Mississippi. Uh, as of the end of the day, we're going to have a shelter in place for the entire state. Uh, but again, Jamie, it's one of those things that we, we, we love our freedom. Uh, but in, in these times, you know, there's, there's kind of a, uh, give and take on that. You know, you, you want, you want to be safe, but you still want to be free. Uh, so there is a struggle and it's a struggle, uh, that I'm sure the president on down is having every day of deciding exactly what's best for the country. Yeah. And this idea of social distancing, a term that, I think most of us have heard more than we ever dreamed we would. Uh, I heard for the first time, you know, two, three weeks ago, I wasn't even familiar with the concept of social distancing. You mentioned the 1918 uh, Spanish influenza and that epidemic, and, and it, was, it was put into practice back then. Is this a, uh, a strategy that you're pretty familiar with, or is it pretty tried and true as far as epidemics go? Now, well, I wouldn't say in this country, no, it's not tried and true. You know, it's something brand new to us. You can read that other countries have done something similar to this for a long time. But unfortunately, we, we were, uh, I wouldn't say totally insulated from, from the, you brought up SARS, you brought up swine flu, other things. We we're kind of insulated from that. But now we get it in this country and things that you know, they, they practice in South Korea and other places that, you know, it, it's come, becoming new to us. So, yes, it's been out there for a while, but it's not, it's not something that's been in our vocabulary. Well, I know you claim no gift of prophecy, uh, <laughs> even though you're a great man from Mississippi. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, man, just looking forward, and we're not going to hold you to this, but uh, it, I'm sure the way that Katrina or even Hurricane Harvey or things, you know, when those types of things happen, it does, I think, change the way we operate moving forward. It makes us more ready or more prepared or, or, or maybe shifts and alters some things, even socially or politically. But what, uh, I mean, do you think this is going to alter just some of the ways that we're used to living normal life moving forward? Or do you think, hey, they're going to get a vaccine once that gets produced? Uh, then COVID-19 will be relegated more to like a flu and it won't really be on our mind anymore. Well, I, I think it's going to change our, the way we, the way we live our lives, Jamie. I, I think we we're seeing some of the uh, trends to go more and more online, which is both good and bad for things. Uh, I think it's going to change the way uh, we, we live and particularly in the short time frame. And I think the, the question is going to be, Jamie, is there is there something behind this that's going to follow this up that's going to be just as impactful as this is? So I think it's going to change our mindset. I, I really hope, from a spiritual standpoint, it changes us uh, for the good, and that's what uh, my prayer is for each and every one of us that we take this time to really search ourselves and allow God to search ourselves and 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 just you know truly just take an opportunity to let God uh, reveal to us some things that he wants to deal with us on. 
Well, and I'm glad you brought that up. It kind of segues us to the other thing that I want to talk to you about. You know, you wrote that devotional and share it with our church, which we really appreciate you doing, uh, that kind of tagline of where are you, talking about God's interaction with Adam and Eve in the garden, especially post-fall, asking that question. I don't remember the exact way you, you phrased it, but it's, it's certainly God doesn't ask questions to get information for himself, but more to reveal things to us. What a... What led you to that particular devotional? Well, why did God stir that in your heart? And, and uh, what ways has he been working on you? Yeah, let me give you a little bit of background on that, Jamie. That's uh, about 30 years ago. God gave me four questions. And uh, the who are you question is the first in a series of questions that he gave me. And it, it, you know, they're pretty simplistic questions. I asked uh, four things uh, in, if, in this spiritual journey that we're on, and that is who are you, where you're going, how you're going to get there, and who you're going to take with you. And if, if you kind of boil those four questions down, they really kind of, if you would, kind of set up standards and direction for you in your life. And I refer back to them, and I've, I've given them to a lot of young men and other others over the years just as you know, this is something God gave me. I think it'd be applicable in your life. So I, I, I continue to ask those four questions and I, I, I kind of press people to ask those four questions. Again, I, you, you asked me why I started to write a complete uh, different devotion. And of course, you know where uh, Anita and I have been over the last uh, seven or eight months with cancer and chemotherapy. And I, I said, I told someone the other day, you know, we, we came out of the cancer and the chemotherapy into Corona. Uh, so kind of the uh, big three. In a lot of ways, I feel like God prepared us for this time, you know, during the last few months, because he, he really has been in the process, Jamie, of stripping things away that we thought were necessary, that we realized weren't necessary. Uh, so again, I, I, you asked me why I put that, who are you? I, 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 I was going to do away with it. And then all of a sudden someone came, uh, sent something and actually quoted that same verse in, uh, Genesis chapter, uh, three, verse nine. And, and, and I said, well, maybe I'll consider it. And then it was something Kenneth said in one of his sermons that God just said, Hey, I want you to put this out there. It's, it's, it's a timely message. So, uh, that's why, that's why I wrote that devotion. Well, I, I know it blessed me personally. I've heard from several other people that did the same and, you know, Jace, one of the things I appreciate about you, one, I just get to be around you a little bit more now as we get to serve as elders and learn from you and, you know, watch you and even your care and love for Anita, as y'all, like you said, mentioned battling cancer. And uh, I will say that if our church doesn't know, not that you would ever tout this, but uh, just your commitment to the D.C., uh, to your discipling men. You know, we've had a couple of elder meetings and you're just persistence in prayer and not only praying for our church, but training people to pray. Uh, the holistic ministry of your family to harvest is a is a huge blessing and we really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it, Jamie, and I, it's it is really an honor and a privilege, and it's at times overwhelming to be honest with you. But uh, you know, I, I just want to remind everybody, God's faithful. Uh, you know, He will He will carry us through this, and uh, so I, I I don't want people to be discouraged. I'll, I'll tell you this, Jamie, if you if you got a second, every disaster was unique. I went through. I went through about thirty different ones, and over my career that I would say major disasters and everyone different. But there's three things I thought this morning as I sat down and prayed and uh, prepared for this, I thought is there's three things that are always kind of, 
at the center of every one of those disasters. And one of them was that everybody's affected directly or indirectly by the disasters in two different degrees. Uh, the other thing was that uh, people's worlds are turned upside down. You know, things are stripped away. And then, then the third thing was I recall because of dealing with people over a matter of days, weeks, and months following a disaster, they go through a whole range of emotions and, and, you know, all the way from kind of denial on the front end to discouragement to, you know, to sadness to, uh, to anger to, you know, and, and then uh, depression, uh, you know, for, for people. And I've, I've had people sit in my office uh, oh, what's, what's occurred. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that we struggle with, but, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, I just want to say something that every, I know everybody understands, but God's the same yesterday and today forevermore. And, you know, he is not changing. Uh, and I, I, I want to encourage people along the way that as you deal with these things, uh, reach out to one another. You know, I've, I've gone through, you know, we, we've, I've started FaceTiming with some of my men, uh, just to uh, just to make sure that you know I stay in touch with them, and I think that's a good thing for us. I encourage everybody to pray. Uh, Jamie, I'll, I'll give you one bit of advice, and everybody this bit of advice. I, I had a cadre of about sixty-something team leaders I used to send out in 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 the start of any disaster, and those particular team leaders. My advice to them was: don't go work your 12, 14, 16-hour days. Go back to wherever you're staying and turn on the TV. I said, because you sit up there and absorb the news and the news is slanted this way or that. I said, it, it really detracts from you doing your mission. So I said, if you want to go watch another, you know, a, a, a show for a minute, that's fine. But I said, get off the news. And I, I kind of encourage everybody else just to turn the news off and get into the good news. You know, just just be just be diligent and study the word. I'm afraid, and Steve Tucker had a great devotion this morning about looking at this thing through the eyes of God versus the eyes of man. And I think we should we should heed that right now. Uh, and and again, I'm, I'm not a Facebook person, but uh, but I would say that you know you need to turn off social media for the most part. I would challenge everybody during this time, are you spending more time listening to the news and social media than you are in God's word? And you know, that's, a, that's something I think we need to really look at ourselves on. Well, I would affirm that. And I think that's a good challenge and a good exhortation uh, for myself and for our people as well. Hey, Jack, thanks for uh, taking time to, to do this uh, interview and, and to, to minister to our church via this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jamie.